Good morning. Welcome to Salem Fields this morning. Let's stand and worship together.
Jesus, you have set us free. We gather here this morning in the name of Jesus. We gather here, Father, because we want to honor and worship you, Lord, and we ask, God, that you would just wrap your loving arms of love and care around each of us. I pray that your Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, would fall fresh in you upon us. God, that you would just do something brand new in our lives today that, uh, God, that's never happened to us before. I pray that each of us, God, would be open to hear your voice. I thank you, Jesus, for those that are watching online and worshiping with us and those that are here today, Lord, we ask uh, throughout this building, God, that you and your presence would be ever uh, sensed in a real and wonderful way. I pray for Rich today, Lord, as he brings this very uh, special message uh, to mothers and families and to all of us, Lord. I pray that it would speak to us deeply and, God, that you would help us in our journey to be all that you want us to be. We love you, and we praise you, and we honor you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated and watch this video, mothers and fathers. How was choir? It was good. Moms have it so easy. I mean, their lives are fun, simple, and, and so rewarding. Sometimes I wish, instead of being the dad, I... I wish I was the mom. Oh, another day of pedicures and making myself beautiful. This is the life. Mom, tell him to stop copying me. Mom, tell him to stop copying me. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Mom, do something. Mom, do something. Are you serious? Are you serious? Seriously, I don't know how you do it. I, I, I'm at a loss for words. Kids, come here, get in here, hug your mother. Tell her you love her. We're in the presence of greatness. Dad. Not now, dad's on a roll. This is God's greatest creation, kids. You're smooshing my face. Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I'm sorry, because I don't say thank you enough. How do we say thank you to the woman that means the world to us? I know. We're gonna go right now and get you that vacuum cleaner you've had your eye on. <laughs> Nothing. Shh, 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 shh. Don't speak. This time, we're going name brand, baby. Come on, kids. 
Let's go make your mom's dreams come true. Uh, all right. How many of you got mom's got a vacuum cleaner this morning for Mother's Day? Well, mothers, I don't know what your husbands or your kids got you, but we want to honor you today. So if you would stand, moms, uh, if you're a mom, we'd love to honor you and uh, thank you for all that you do. that go unrecognized. There is some gifts coming down the aisle for you, so if you just remain standing for a few minutes, we will get these gifts out to you, and then we want to pray for you. And uh, thank you again, moms, uh, for all that you do uh, to make, the, the, make things happen. Moms make things happen, and we're thankful for that, and uh, we appreciate that. One of the things we want to do while we're uh, standing is we want to uh, we talked about giving a little gift for the mom that uh, had the most family and friends here. So who has the most family and friends here? Anybody got more than 10? More than 10? We had 10 in the 9 o'clock service. Any, how about 8? Anybody got 8 family? We got 8 over here? 8 over here. Oh, no. Got 9? Anybody have 9? <laughs> Please, somebody have 9. <laughs> huh? Okay. All right. So, how many nines we have? Just one nine. Just, but now wait a minute. You're not all family, and I mean, you didn't invite your, okay, come on up. <laughs> Whoever. We have one gift, so you have to split it nine ways. <laughs> Who's coming? You go get it. You go get it. All right. There's four things in here. Uh, maybe you could all go to the movies together because there's a movie card. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. All right, moms, if you would uh, all stand just again. You sat down, and I want to just uh, pray for you uh, as we uh, want to pray a blessing over you as moms. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come for you before you today. We thank you for our mothers. We pray, dear God, that you would bless each one. And, Father, I pray today would be a special day in their lives. I just thank you, Father, for uh, moms and all that they mean to each of us individually as families, even here in the church, Lord. We're just thankful to honor them today, Lord, and we know that you honor them as well. And so, Father, today we just pray uh, that you would wrap your loving arms around each one, and we know that Mother's Day is not always a happy day for everyone. Uh, so, God, I pray for those who are missing their mom or, uh, Lord, have lost a child or just Mother's Day is just not a good day. I pray, God, today that their spirits will be lifted by the good message and uh, that Rich has today, and I just pray that your Holy Spirit would minister in a mighty way. I know there's moms online. We pray for them as well. And so, Father, we thank you again for the opportunity we have today to serve our mothers. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, moms. Now, also... We have a uh, free photo op for you and your family and all your friends out in the Rubicon. And now we have a special treat. Our children are coming now to sing for us.
It's a song from my mommy. How to spell it? Give me an M.
Now that's some good energy, isn't it? Good energy. <laughs> and I, I know you parents, you like watching them walk off and walk on just as much as you would like watching them, right? It's so much fun. Give them a hand again. Yeah. Well, we've got all kinds of ways that you can serve this summer. Watch this. My name is James. I love the volunteers at this church. And now I'm going to get you to say it while you look right at me. Okay. I love the donuts, and they're so good, especially the chocolate and sprinkles on it. They put up donuts because they want to know that about Jesus. Hi, my name is Madison, and I really love the volunteers at Salem Fields. On Easter, we did these fun rotations through the classrooms, and at the end of service, our teacher said if you want Jesus to be in your heart and you want to be saved, you can say this prayer either out loud or in your head. And I said it, and this past Sunday, I got baptized here. So maybe you could be a volunteer and share hope with others too. Is that beautiful or what? Uh, James and Madison get it. They have benefited from a volunteer. And when you volunteer, you're not just serving or doing a job. You're really making the difference in the kingdom because somebody may accept Jesus Christ as their personal savior. Did you ever equate donuts with Jesus? <laughs> but James did. He said, we put those donuts out there so people can come to know Jesus, right? James gets it. That was so cute. So you can serve. You can. Uh, there's a table right as you walk out uh, in the little lobby right there. Sign up to serve. It's just a small chunk of commitment. It's only eight weeks. And uh, if you sign up, someone will contact you and they'll let you know, uh, ask you what ministry you want to be part of. And then after that eight weeks, then you can just stop and, uh, and just know that you've done something for the kingdom. Uh, also, it's on your app. How many people have downloaded the new app? If you go to that app, yeah, if you go to that app, you can sign up for anything, connection card or missions trips or whatever. That's a great place to go. Also, remember that your message notes are on your app, that little circle up in the left-hand corner. I had to have Buddy show me where they were. And uh, you can go to message notes. You can actually type in the, the blanks and take those with you throughout the week. So that's Summer Serve, and uh, we would love for you to be part of that this summer. We really do need people to uh, carry the vision around here. Uh, missions trips are coming up. Boy, if you want your life to change and, and grow deeper in the Lord, go on a missions trip. We've got Guatemala and Ecuador coming up. Those are two great out-of-country missions trips. The high schoolers are going to be going to Florida, and the middle schoolers are going to have day trips. They're going to Williamsburg, Rich um, different places are going to end up at Six Flags. It's going to be a great week for both of those. And uh, if you know a high schooler or a middle schooler, make sure that you go out to uh, the signups out there and find out more information about that. Get your high schooler, middle, middle schooler involved in that. Really, really important this summer. Women's Night Out is coming up. Scoops and smiles. Everybody smile at me. Oh. <laughs> I'm the only one that gets to it. Well, Buddy does too. But uh, 
it's a great time, ladies, for you to get together, learn to know someone new, fellowship together, and uh, women really do need to kind of bond and connect. And what better way to do it than over ice cream, right? And so this is a great time. Mark your calendar for that. Membership class is coming up. This is a time for you to learn to know everything about Salem Fields Community Church that you ever wanted to know. You can ask any question that you want, but the most important thing is to kind of connect with this body of Christ here. It's important for every believer to do that. And uh, so we would encourage you to do that. It's at nine o'clock during the nine o'clock service. So you could go to that and then come to your service here at 11 and uh, give you a, a great opportunity to connect there. We've got a family dance coming up. Pastor Rich said that he's going to be the challenge dance offer or whatever. you call it. And so come and challenge him. And I can't wait to see that. It's going to be June 1st. You can get your tickets at eventbrite.com or you can go out to the table at the Kids Connect area there and buy your tickets for that dance. It's going to be really fun. I would encourage everyone to do that. Buddy, take it away. I think I like ice cream as much as James likes donuts. Uh, but anyway, uh, we appreciate you being here today. If you're a guest. Uh, we are glad that you've chosen to be here today, and we have a little table set up out there for first-time guests, and we'd love for you to stop by there and pick up your free gift and drop off your connection card uh, so that we can know that you were here and recognize that. And so, uh, again, we say welcome to our guests and also to our regular attenders. We appreciate you being here. We're going to take our offering now in just a, a moment at the next song. And uh, how many of you would just like God to throw open the floodgate gates of blessing on your life? Anybody like that? Would just love. I tell you how the Bible says you can do that. If you go to Malachi 3:10, it says if you bring the tithe into the storehouse, the first 10% of all you make, and put it in the offering place, and trust that the church will use it to fulfill their mission, God says I will open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out blessing, more blessing on you than you can imagine. So, okay, so as we do that today, we appreciate that. There's many ways you can give. You can give on the app. You can give out in the foyer on the, on the uh, credit card debit machines. You can write a check to Salem Fields. You can put in cash or you can go online and give. However you give, as always, give with a cheerful heart. And also, we'd like for you to sign up or not sign up, but check in on Facebook. And uh, that always helps us uh, to get the word out about Salem Fields Community Church and how great you are because you are Salem Fields Community Church and so you want people to know how great you are, right? So this is one way to do it. Thank you. Standing like a cloud, you're standing. 
doing happy mother's day to all you moms out there today we honor you and your superpowers you know it's interesting because all of us little boys we grow up wanting to be superheroes and y'all are actually the ones that become them uh i'm pretty sure when the five-year-old me was jumping off of chairs pretending i could fly like superman all the five-year-old little girls in the class were probably just standing back y'all just wait till i have a baby and I'm pretty sure that's how it happened. And, and it's true. Y'all seriously do have superpowers. I can literally have an epic meltdown uh, on my hands with my four-year-old, almost four-year-old, and almost two-year-old. They literally be screaming for 45 minutes. I can do everything that I possibly can. I'm throwing candy at them. I'm promising pony rides. Uh, and then literally... Duct tape does not work on everything, just to let you all know. Did not even work on this. But my wife can walk into the room within two seconds. They're just little angels. And I'm like, how? How is this even possible? But it's true. Y'all have superpowers. And so we honor y'all mothers here this morning. The impact that y'all make on your kids' lives, your grandkids' lives. Uh, it's going to be felt through generations. But that doesn't just happen for moms and, and dads. It's whether you're young, you're old, uh, in every realm of society and life, uh, we make choices and we make decisions uh, that impact generations. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about here this morning. You know, if we aren't careful, we can get so caught up in the moment, so caught up in the here and now, that we don't recognize that what we decide in the here and now has ramifications for generations down the road. Now, don't get me wrong. We really as a society have a difficult time with being present, with uh, treating the moment and, and not taking it for granted. But like I said, what we can do is become so infatuated and so focused on the moment that we don't realize what we're doing in the moment is leading us somewhere. It's leading our family somewhere. It's leading those we have influence over somewhere. And that can have an impact beyond generations. So this morning, our message is don't be fooled. Our choices affect generations. So we're going to look at two different stories from the Bible here this morning. We are going to look at uh, a story in Genesis, and we are going to look at a story in Acts. Now, I can easily point to uh, Adam and Eve in the garden, and you can see how one choice to sin, to go against God's will, affected generations when sin entered into the world. And then I could go to Jesus and I could point to, to Jesus and how his decision and his choice to go to the cross, even when everything in him naturally in the flesh did not want to do it, how that one choice then affected generations, giving us all victory over sin and death. 
But I wanted to look at these two stories because we can get just a more practical sense in our own lives how one decision has ramifications that can impact entire generations beyond us. And so we're going to look at Genesis 13 and we're going to look at Acts 16. So uh, go with me to Genesis 13. What this story is about, you know, Abram, who God later renames Abraham, uh, God calls him out of his childhood birthplace where he has grown up. It's all he's ever known. His entire life has been spent in this place. And he is obedient to God, and he answers this call to God to go into this brand new land. And so he sets out, well, he brings with him his entire family, all of his possessions, all of his belongings, uh, and all of his workers. And then his brother Lot decides he's going to go with him as well. And so Lot brings all of his family and all of his belongings and all of his workers. Well, they end up getting to the point where they start to say, it's getting kind of crowded out here. You know, you got a lot of stuff, I got a lot of stuff, and our stuff isn't just TVs. Our stuff is a lot of cows and a lot of workers feeding those cows. And so they start to get a little cluttered, and so that's where we're going to pick it up. And Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together. For their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together, and there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. At that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. So it wasn't even just these two families. There was a lot of other people in this land too. Then Abram said to Lot, let there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen. For we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go right. If you take the right hand, I'll go left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw the Jordan Valley was well watered, everywhere like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. So what we see here is a choice. A choice that in the whole scheme of things doesn't seem like that big of a deal. Lot's just about to choose where to live. But you see, when they set out on this journey, the choice was made out of Abram choosing to follow God's voice. Abram tells Lot now that this whole land is before you. So in other words, how does this apply to us? In other words, uh, everything is before you. You can make whatever choice you want. You can go any direction you want. That's free will, right? But here's where Lot went wrong. It says in verse 10, Lot lifted up his eyes and saw the Jordan Valley. Look at it. Lot lifted up his eyes, but he stopped short of where he should have been lifting up his eyes too. Lot lifts up his eyes, and instead of lifting them up to God to seek his guidance and his wisdom, he looks around him, and he looks at what looks good. Man, this land over here, this land looks amazing. I'm going to choose this. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with wanting the best for your family. There's nothing wrong with wanting to pursue what looks good. But if it's not filtered through the lens of God, if it's not first sought through him, then we're already starting to make a bad choice. Choice needs to happen by first looking up. And that's where Lot went wrong. So what happens? Lot settles his family in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. 
literally a city so sinful that God decides to destroy it completely and put it into ashes. Corruption, sin. Now, God in his mercy and justice allows Lot and his family to escape before he destroys it, but he says, do not look back when you're leaving. And Lot's wife in disobedience turns back and turns into a pillar of salt. So we see a decision now resulting in Lot losing his wife. Lot ends up living in a cave with his two daughters. His daughters, having been exposed to the depravity and the sinfulness of Sodom and Gomorrah, end up getting their dad drunk and force themselves on him. They become pregnant, and those children end up becoming complete enemies of Israel for generations down the line. One simple decision about where to live, void of seeking God, impacted Lot, his family, and generations that followed. Now let's jump over to Acts 16. Paul, who wrote a majority of the New Testament, finds himself in the city of Philippi in jail with his fellow preacher Silas for disturbing the peace. And we're going to pick it up in verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights and, and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus. And you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them into his house, set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Now, I don't know about y'all, but if I find myself in prison and those walls come down, I'm hightailing it out of there. I'm not waiting around to see what happens next. But here's the deal. Paul had been spending time with God. Paul knew that there was a greater purpose here. Paul, you don't just see walls come down in a prison that you're in by watching Netflix. What we see here is, is a man that was cultivating worship, cultivating praise, and seeking God on every decision. So he knew when those walls fell, I'm not moving because I know God's got more here. And so that's what we find. What does it say in verse 32? And they spoke the word of the Lord to him, to the jailer, and to all who were in his house. One choice, which seems on the surface like an obvious decision to get out of prison while you can, but through God's plan, brought a man and his entire family to faith. And this very same man went on to be one of the founding members of the church, of the Philippian church, that Paul is later writing to you uh, in one of his letters. A church that impacted generations. So take those two stories, the story of Lot and the story of Paul and the jailer. Put them next to each other. Two stories, two choices, two completely different outcomes, but both affected generations. Don't be fooled. Your choices carry the exact same weight. Whether it's where to go and live like Lot, or whether to stay and face conflict like Paul, 
the results of our decisions impact our lives and the lives around us. And that's the first thing that we need to understand. Understand your weight and your impact. To whom much is given, much is required. And yes, Jesus said that before Spider-Man. Just saying. Look, when you understand the weight your choices carry, you begin to make choices more wisely. Pastor Buddy talked last week about sin. He said that a little sin might not seem like a big deal, that it isn't really harming anyone or anything, but the truth is it has a great effect. And our choices are the same. They place us on a path that is either leading us closer to or further from the direction that we need to be going. And the people in our lives, the ones the choice has influence over, are affected one way or the other. We all have a call in our lives. We have all been marked by God for a specific purpose in this world. And we carry the weight and we carry the responsibility to live out that calling. And the only way to walk in the fullness of that calling is to allow the one who created us to dictate our choices. Think about this from a business perspective. Uh, my wife and I, we've been watching a lot of Undercover Boss lately. And what you see is you see someone that is either the founder of the company or the CEO, the one that is in charge with making sure from the, the highest up to the lowest person within the business, they are called to carry out a, a brand, an identity, values, uh, a mission, and every single employee throughout the company is supposed to carry these values, is supposed to, to, to carry this and convey this to the customers. So what they end up doing is they take a job on one of the lowest levels so that they can see really what's going on in their, their restaurants or their businesses and work alongside these employees in these roles. And so what they end up finding is that uh, maybe an employee makes a decision or, or handles a customer a way that is completely contradictory what the company values and what the company, company wants to portray. And it makes them extremely angry. Why? Because they understand that every single person in that company is a vision carrier. Every single choice has an effect that can send ripples throughout the entire business, that can be felt for generations down the line. All it takes is one customer to have one bad review to then tell one other person, and all of a sudden you start to create a culture that is, conveys a different identity than the one that you were trying to portray. See, the lower-level employee didn't recognize, didn't recognize the weight of their decision. That even the smallest choice of how to treat a customer or go the extra mile could be felt throughout the entire company. And our choices in our lives carry the same weight and impact. You're sitting in the result right now uh, of someone that understood the weight of their impact, uh, of a group of people and, and, and pastors that, that have prayerfully just prayed and, and risked and asked God to just lead and direct their decision. And now this is impacting entire generations. It's amazing. I mean, parents, uh, you are, are watching your kids become uh, people that you are impacting that are going to go on and impact generations. But here's the deal. Everyone in our life is watching us. Our choices are driving our children's choices. You choose to make one poop joke and all of a sudden you find yourself uh, with your son in Target and he's screaming poop at the top of his lungs. But seriously, how are you supposed to handle that? Don't say this now. Dad already said it. Don't say it now. You can't say it here. Bad parenting right here. They will handle conflict how you choose to handle conflict. 
They will love how you love. They will learn to see the world the way that you see the world. And yes, it is a completely weighty responsibility. They may or may not even see the process of you making the choice. They might not even understand the choice that you have to make of whether to go right or left. But they're going to feel the results of that choice. And they're going to be able to watch you live that choice out. So make sure you understand the weight of them. Employees, your coworkers are watching. The people your jobs impact are watching. Uh, they're watching whether you're going to make uh, the right choice in the workplace. Are you going to compromise your faith or your integrity? Uh, will you see the value that you have within that work environment to make a difference instead of be a hindrance? People of society, will you choose to, to just go with whatever the majority decides? Uh, are you going to choose to just stand with whatever your political affiliation says you should side with? Are you going to be passive to others' needs in times when there are so many people with so many questions and so many struggles and so many stories that go along with their pain? Or will you decide to recognize the weight your choices carry and be light and darkness? Or owning the responsibility you have as a Christian and a human being to stand up for what is right? The innocent who will one day rise up and carry on this world need us to choose wisely. Because they will harvest the fruit of the seeds that we plant today, all based off of our decisions. The choices we make today will impact generations to come. We have to see this. So once we understand that our choices have weight, we need to identify what seeds we are sowing. See, if you can identify where you are at, then you can identify where you want and need to go. So in other words, ask yourselves this question. Does my desired outcome line up with my present choices and actions? Does my desired outcome line up with my present choices and actions? If I want to see my kids reading the Bible more, but all we're doing is sitting in front of the TV every night, then my desired outcome is not lining up with my present choice. If I want a better relationship with my wife, yet every night I'm just getting frustrated and angry with her, then my desired outcome is not lining up with my present action. If I want to lose weight, yet I'm eating the exact same foods and doing the exact same exercise routine, which is nothing, then my desired outcome is not lining up with my present choice and action. Our choices and the seeds they sow will eventually produce fruit, whether from good seed or bad seed. It may sprout overnight, but they usually happen slowly, and over time, and they impact generations. Moms, where are you at? How do y'all learn to cook? Who'd you get it from? You get it from your mama. So, and here's the deal. Every mom, I guarantee you, makes lasagna, and every single mom makes it different, and every single one of you would say, my mom makes the best lasagna. Here to tell you, my mom makes the best lasagna. Little side note, though, I have not tried my wife's yet, so... Who knows? But here's the deal. You get that and it's passed down. So we, take, we think about recipes or we think about types of food. And it just gets passed down. You, a cookie style. I mean, you can look at every part of the world. And you can see why, you know, they cook differently in Italy than they do in Asia. And that's all passed down through the generations. So unless one generation chooses to cook differently, it's all going to continue to be the same. And, it, and it's kind of the same thing with our lives. So many things that we experience in our lives were the choices of even generations before. 
way we handle certain things, the way we see the world in certain ways. It's cyclical. So look at Exodus 34. It says, God visits the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Now, the scripture is not saying that our children pay for our sins. We are the only ones that do. But it is pointing to the fact that what is so today can have a generational impact, even four generations down the line. We see this with alcoholism. We see this with drug abuse where one generation begins and then all of a sudden uh, the children are battling it and the grandchildren are battling it because it created this culture and this mindset. Or, or maybe uh, your parents struggled with fear and now you're struggling with fear. And now you're seeing your children struggle with fear. It's passed down. It's learned. It can become generational. Pastor Buddy last struggle with lust to the point that he committed adultery. And we find in the Bible his son Solomon struggling with the exact same problem to the point where he compromises the kingdom of Israel by taking on so many foreign wives. And each one of these wives bring on this idolatry and these foreign gods. And then in one generation, the very next generation after Solomon, we see Israel completely bound in idolatry. Our choices sow seeds into our families. Our choices sow seeds into our businesses, into our communities, and into our world. Think about our country. Everything that we see today on, on the news, both the good and the bad, resulted from decisions of generations before us that have led us to where we are today. There's no way around it. But here is the good news. Jesus can transform any generation. He can break the generational cycle of a bad seed he can heal, he can restore, but it starts by making the choice to say, you know what, I'm going to look at things different. The, this thing that has been passed down through my generation, it's going to end with me because I'm going to put God first in this area. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to seek a different path. I'm going to let God dictate my choices from here on out. I'm not just going to accept something that was passed down to me. When we filter our choices through Jesus, whether we've spent our lives sowing a good seed or bad seed, if we allow the Holy Spirit to be the authoritative voice in the process, then we can rest in the fact that going forward, we will be sowing good seed. So what is the good seed? It's found in Galatians 5, 22 through 23, and it's the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control but the greatest of these is love love is our seed guys paul says if we don't love we have nothing if we aren't sowing love then you better believe we are sowing the wrong things you might think that the one person that you told off in traffic deserved it until all of a sudden they saw you what you don't know is that they saw you then pull into church and they see oh see typical christian you know what Nah, that religion thing that's not for me and they begin sowing a seed in their heart, which then, you know what? I'm not bringing my kids into that environment. So there's a seed in them. It just gets passed down all because of that one decision. Or what about that rant you choose to put on Facebook? You know, are you thinking about the seed and, and the reach that that has before you click send? Listen, none of us are perfect. But we have a living, breathing Savior who has given us his Holy Spirit to dwell within us to help us make the right choice. 
And if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that conscious inside of you, that, that uncomfortable squeeze when you do the wrong thing, is God trying to get your attention. He's tr he isn't trying to correct us because he's mad at us. It's because he loves humanity to the point where he wants, to wants us to love each other by sharing his love because he is love. That's a whole lot of love, y'all. Do we understand that one small decision can have a lasting effect? Yes, we, of course, we make mistakes. And if we do, that's why we just need to come to a place to say, man, I messed up there. God, forgive me and help me to course correct that so we don't sow the same bad seed twice. He has the power, so make the choice to tap into it. Identify the seeds you're sowing and make sure they're good. Next, be intentional about being intentional. We understand our choices have weight and impact far beyond our generation. And we understand that within every choice, there is a seed that gets planted, good and bad, and that we have a choice as to which ones we will plant. But now we have to understand that the greatest method by which we can ensure we are sowing good seeds into the future, inside our home and out, is through intentionality. The change we want to see and the fruit that we want to produce requires us to be intentional with our choices. Whatever you want to see produced, prayerfully come up with a plan to bring it forth. If you desire for your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids to know the Lord, then decide right now what choices you're going to make every day to ensure that you're instilling that in your kids. Whether that's daily devotionals, uh, intentional prayer time, focused talks about life, and, and helping your kids see Jesus in everything. Prayerfully come up with a plan right now about how you're going to instill that. If you're a teacher and, and you want to see the school change, prayerfully come up with a plan of what seeds you're going to sow into every single generation that walks into your classroom. Maybe it's making the intentional choice that I'm going to pray over every single seat before these students come in, or I'm going to start a small group for teachers so we can bear each other's burdens. If you want to change your work environment, prayerfully come up with a plan. Maybe you need to walk into work every single day, and you need to find a new person every day that you're going to invest in just by asking, how's your family doing? I don't know what change you long to see or, or what legacy you want to leave, but I can tell you that a legacy of faith in Jesus and a legacy of love, that is, there's nothing greater that we can leave this world with through the generations. But it won't just happen. We have to be intentional. Look at what Deuteronomy 6 says. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. We leave a legacy of faith by choosing to be intentional, choosing not to waver, not to compromise and being consistent with it even if it feels like it's not making a difference. Our choice determines the effectiveness, good and bad, of the way we live and love and serve. We see this legacy of faith in a young man in the Bible named Timothy. Now, Paul meets Timothy, and he sees this immense amount of potential in him. He chooses to invest in him. He chooses to disciple him. And we start to see the source of this potential that Paul sees in Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, verse 5. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first with your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Timothy's grandmother Lois sowed seeds of faith into Timothy, Timothy's mother Eunice, who then sowed seeds of faith into Timothy. 
And it was that intentional choice of a grandmother and a mother that brought forth a man that was going to change and impact many. And that didn't happen by chance. You know that that took intentional prayers and it took intentional teaching. See, Timothy's father was Greek. So Timothy's father wasn't going to be the one teaching him these things. His grandmother and his mother were going to be the ones that had to do it because they were Jewish and they wanted to instill this faith in Timothy. And so what do we see? You know, for all you single moms out there or single parents or, or you, you, your spouse isn't quite on board with this faith thing, don't lose heart because Timothy is the perfect example of what a, a mother or what one parent can do by instilling the faith. Do not lose heart with that. But Jesus is bigger, and your prayers and your intentional choices of faith carry weight, and that goes for all of us. Whether we have kids or whether we're people in our workplace, in our communities, and in society, our intentionality can breed a new culture, a new mindset, and a new perspective that can transform generations. See, in my home, we wanted to cultivate worship. We wanted to, to make sure that, that our kids were just constantly, just no matter what, they were just going to have a song of praise on their heart. And so we would just sit down on the piano and just sing songs, or we would uh, throw worship songs up on the TV and have dance parties. But every night before bed, we made this choice that we were just going to sing a worship song together as a family. And, and I don't know how we ended up with, with King of My Heart, but I think we might have done it here one Sunday, and then we just ended up singing it that night, and we were just consistent with it. But we just continued to be consistent with it, not knowing if it was really making an impact. But then the other day, we saw this. And so that's just a small snippet, but she will walk around the house now just randomly, and we will just hear her shouting at the top of her lungs, God, you're never going to let me down, for you are good, and she will just continue to do that. It's just one small seed that now we know our daughter in life is going to know that her God is good, and her God is never going to let her down. And we also, one of the things we wanted to do was we also wanted to pray before meals. We just wanted to be intentional with that. So we started it, and literally my kids would just be throwing food at each other through it. They would be singing their ABCs through it, but we just kept doing it, and we kept doing it. Until, again, the other day where we put their food down, and we're going and getting ours, and her, my son is leading my daughter praying over the food without us even initiating it. And I say this not to say I'm nailing this dad thing at all. I'm actually saying this because I am now seeing the fruits of intentionality, but I've also seen the fruits of not being intentional. I've also seen the impact that that has made on my kids, where I then have extra work in me to help plant a better seed. So I want the best for you. I want the best for your families. I want the best for you in your workplace and, and for the best for you in this community. And that's going to take you saying, you know what, we're going to make choices for God. We want God first. And that takes us being intentional. It doesn't just happen. That makes us making the choice and not compromising on it and not turning any other way. But here's the deal. Sometimes it may take months or years before you see the results of your choices. But then you also may never see the results of your choices or your intentionality. Jesus says in John 4, 37, for in this case, the saying one sows and another reaps is true. 
You might plant something in your company that would have an impact generations down the road. You might build something that someone else will complete. You might fight for a cause that someone else will win. You might instill a faith in a child that you might never see come to salvation in your lifetime. You might invest in a neighborhood that generations down the road will benefit from. But don't think that your intentionality isn't making a difference. Because there's always good that comes from doing the will of the Father. I got Kristen a Concord grape plant for Mother's Day a few years ago. And I planted the thing, I watered it, and it did nothing. And I look at it, and I know I'm not the best gardener. And that thing was just not sprouting. And I'm like, what is happening? And I almost gave up on the thing. I almost told my neighbor, just mow it over with the lawnmower. You'll be good. But then I found out that it takes three years before a grape starts to grow on that plant. And now three years later, I looked out there yesterday. Little teeny tiny grapes are starting to grow. But here's the deal. Never underestimate the power of your choices because even if it feels like nothing of value is being produced or the thing you want to see isn't happening, in due season it will bear fruit, good or bad. Lastly, be a vessel of light. Be a vessel of light. No matter the person, no matter the situation, choose to be a vessel of light to others. Christians, we're called to be image bearers of Christ to this world. It's our calling. It's our responsibility. And do our choices line up with that? Because I'm sure if you ask the world lately, they'd be telling you that our, our choices and our walk is not exactly backing up our talk and what we profess. The effects of which have generational ramifications. See, my testimony is I did not grow up in church. My parents did, but they both experienced the bad side. People not being good vessels of light. People claiming to be Christians that were not living it out. So that put a bad seed in their hearts to where they then kept me from church. Say, we're not going there. And so what the enemy tried to use to defeat us just by one seed that somebody planted. But here's the deal. One day, my mom was just having a difficult time with me and she hit her knees and she prayed because she had that seed planted in her long ago by the generations before her. She said, God, I give you this boy. And then after that day, though, what did God do? God started bringing vessels of light into my path. He started bringing neighbors that started telling me about Jesus. He started bringing uh, friends and their parents that choose to see a broken little boy. as not just a broken little boy who is a lost cause, but started seeing him as somebody worth investing in. And they began to pour into me, and they began to sow seeds, and they began to water seeds until one day I came in here and when I was 20-something years old and sat right in these seats, and I gave my life to Jesus. But that was because people chose to be vessels of light. Understand that you can make a generational impact by choosing to invest in people. Choose to invest in students. Choose to invest by being there for the orphans, by being there for the widows. I talk to Pastor Michelle and Pastor Trent all the time as they go out into the school systems. There are kids that are broken, that are hurting, that need someone to be light in their life. Choose to invest in people. You do not understand just being able to tell one person truth where they then are able to go through a, a situation and say, oh my gosh, God, you're doing something here. I, I, I get it for the first time. And then they go and they share that with their families. 
And they then instill that light within them that then goes and makes a generational impact. Oh, from one conversation, do not underestimate the power of a choice to invest in someone. To treat every moment and every person as the most important conversation that you can have. Don't be fooled. You are not a lampshade. You are a blazing ball of fire that is marked and called to be a light in this generation and in this dark world that needs it more now than ever. In the face of opposition, choose to be bold. In the face of uncertainty, choose to be faithful. In the, in the face of growing hatred, choose to love. In the face of growing injustice, choose to stand for what's right. In the face of political correctness, choose not to compromise. In, in the face of judgment and slander, choose to speak words of life. In the face of prideful opinions, choose to be humble. In the face of everyone talking over each other, choose to listen. In the face of darkness, choose to be light. Proclaim Jesus in your choices. Truly let him be the driving force, and the legacy you leave will be far greater than anything that you could fathom. Let's stand. Stand to our feet. Jesus. God, we love you. You are faithful, God. God, we thank you for free will. But we want to be a people that choose you, Jesus. God, your plans are far greater than our plans. Your ways are far higher than our ways, God. God, and even what looks good to us, if you want us to go a different way, Father, give us the boldness and the faith and the courage to make the choice to go your way, God. God, knowing that your way might even be harder it might be easier to go the other way, the way that looks best, the way everyone else is even going, God. God, but let us just stay steadfast and firm knowing that there is nothing greater than following you. There's nothing more adventurous. There's nothing more life-giving and life-producing than following you, Jesus. Let us be a people that recognize the weight and power of our choices, God. And let us choose love. Let us choose light. Jesus, help us to do that. Give us the boldness and your power through your Holy Spirit to do that. If you haven't made the choice to follow Jesus this morning, that is the most important choice that you will ever make. And it will have an eternal impact. So if you want to make that choice this morning, all you have to do is say this prayer. Father, I am a sinner. I have made a lot of wrong choices. Forgive me, Jesus. I repent of them. But I believe that you died on the cross and that your shed blood now covers all of my sins and that you rose again three days later, breaking the bondage of that sin that leads to death. You have now given me victory over it. Now you have given me eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. And I am making the choice to follow you all the days of my life. If you, made, if you said that prayer this morning, with no one looking around, with all eyes closed, if you could just throw your hand up at the count of three, just so I know, just so before God you could say, yes, Jesus, I am choosing to follow you. One, two, three. Throw your hand up if you made that choice this morning. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. 
If you made that choice, please go visit Pastor Mark in the back of the room. He wants to give you your next step. It isn't about us just wanting to give you a gift. We want to give you that, but we also want to help you with what to do now from here on out to take your next step so that you can live this empowered, victorious life. And we want to walk alongside of you to help you do that. Jesus, thank you for all that's taking place here this morning. Thank you for every single mom in this room. Father God, and thank you for every single person in this room for whether they realize it, they are called to be a father and a mother to someone in this life that is going to be life-giving. Lord, we love you. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to worship. There is new wine, there is new 
souls of light, Lord, as we choose you first. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. We love y'all. Happy Mother's Day. Go out there in Rubicon, take pictures with your moms. Uh, it's our, one of our gifts to y'all. So we love y'all. Have a great day. We'll see y'all next week. Because where there is new wine, there is new power. Yeah.